0: The Catholic Channel, Sirius XM One Twenty Nine, presents Just Love with your host Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of New York. Welcome to Just Love. Just
1: do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself, and our world will be more just and more compassionate. Tom, was the week before Christmas. <laughs> Isn't that we could change it, right?
2: No, yeah, Oh. Oh. Absolutely, Monsieur. I think that's the that's the purpose of those kind of, of rhymes. I think you can change them for your needs.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so naughty or nice this year, Tom? Have you been um, naughty or
2: nice? I, I I think on balance, I've been nice. Um, you'd have to ask my friends and family uh, about and my coworkers about the naughty part, but uh, but I think on balance, Monsieur, I've been nice. I'm hopeful. I'm okay. Very, I'm, I'm hopeful.
1: That, that is that is good. So, uh, this is just love. So we say just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor, just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. We are here the week before Christmas this year. Tom, we get a full complement of Advent. So we get the entire fourth week of Advent because mm-hmm. Christmas falls on, I know this is not right, but on the fifth week of Advent. You know, is because right. we get a whole week. And um, now, now, depending on, how you view life? Um, Christmas is on a Sunday, and is
2: that a good thing or a bad thing, Tom? What do you think? Well, I, I, you know, for me, I think I like Christmas on a on a on a Sunday. I think from you know the perspective of you know when you go to church, um, you have to go to church on Sunday, and you have to go to church on Christmas. So if you go to church on Sunday Christmas, you fulfill both your obligations. And one fell swoop. So I think that's actually pretty good. You mean, in other words,
1: you don't <laughs> want to go to you don't want to go to mass twice. You want to kind of you want to
2: shortchange Jesus by Not going all. once. Isn't it, isn't that what you just told me? But kind of, sort of. But I, I mean, I I guess you're right, here. It just you know, Christmas always gets to be so busy that you know this way you kind of fulfill your obligations <laughs> in one fell swoop.
1: All right. Okay. I'll I'll give I'll give <laughs> you it. Um. But it, 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 you know it's interesting because, and depending on different cultures and things, whether Christmas, Christmas Eve is a big family celebrations, there's church celebrations. You know, it's not as it's kind of a little bit different than uh, than Easter, which doesn't have all of those other things that are uh, that are associated with it. Now I know you had a very. Um, you know, a very small, good Thanksgiving. Um, how about Christmas? What are you anticipating for Christmas?
2: Christmas is going to be bigger this here. Christmas is when uh, we always do, in our family, we do Christmas Eve. Uh, no, pardon me, we do Christmas Day. So Christmas Eve, my brothers go to their respective families, you know, and they do the big Christmas Eve meals and such. My mom, my dad, and I, we go to church. So we go to the 10 p.m. mass on Christmas Eve. And then we come back, and then basically we spend the night wrapping presents for the next day, getting ready for the next day, setting the table, so that when the family comes, you know, usually in the late morning, early early afternoon, everything is set. So we're so our Christmas Eve is a working Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day is our big holiday. So I, I mean, I
1: know Tom, I know your mom and dad, and I know uh, for many many years they had just a, kind of a wonderful grand house which could welcome a lot of people and they've downsized a little bit now and it's much more still will they will the family be able to gather in the kind of smaller space that uh that they uh that they now have
2: they you know we are monsieur and it's kind of funny because you know when you look back at photographs um growing up as you mentioned we had kind of a bigger house so we had um you know, we had the Christmas tree in the living room and everyone was able to spread out and sit on couches and open gifts and gifts would be in front of them. Now, my senior. we have the living room dining room, living room slash dining room. OK. And we have my parents brought the piano with them to the apartment. So the piano is in the apartment, too. So when you look at pictures of us, it's mm-hmm. like we're back and I was born in the Bronx. It's like we're back in the Bronx. So we're all literally on top of each other. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) and it's like a free for all opening the gifts, but it's a lot of fun.
1: It's a lot. Oh, that's great. That is that's wonderful. And I, you know, I think different spaces have different charms, and so you kind of make do with what you have. And at the end of the day, it's about the people. Exactly. Exactly. That's what makes it. So, anyway, having said all that, why don't we go to our first guest? Our first guest is Sarah Trillo the new chair of the catholic charities junior board and we're going to talk a little bit about how the junior board gets ready for christmas and some of the things that they have done. Sarah, thank you for being a guest with us on
3: Just Love. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Monsignor. It's fun to do this. Great. So Sarah, just kind of give our little bit our listeners um a little bit
1: of your your background and right now you are um the chair of the Catholic Charities Junior Board. You've been very active in that. But give give everybody a little bit of, of a history of kind of your own little history and CV where you grew up, what you're doing professionally.
3: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in northern New Jersey, so very close to the city. Went to school in upstate New York and then moved to the city right after college. I've been here now for nine and a half years, which is kind of hard to believe. It goes by really quickly, but love New York, grew up coming into New York all the time, Uh, My father grew up here. My mother was born here. So I've always had really close ties to the city and just really love it overall. Um, But in terms of the junior board, um, I joined back in January of 2017. So almost six years ago at this point, which, again, is also very hard to believe, but really got involved kind of initially as a general member, volunteer, helping out with a couple of different things. And then over the course of the years, joined our benefit committee. Uh, We threw an annual benefit called Christmas in July. It wasn't actually called that at the time, but we can certainly talk about that later. And had a lot of really great leadership opportunities where I was able to lead different subcommittees for that. Was eventually asked to join the executive committee and served in a couple of different marketing and membership roles. And then for the past year and a half was the vice chair and then was very kindly asked to be uh, the chair a couple of weeks ago when our, our chair that we'd have for a while uh, stepped down and moved on to her next opportunity. So I've had a really wonderful experience with Catholic Charities on the junior board, have made a ton of friends from it. It's a wonderful opportunity. Well, and Sammy, I might-
1: just want to say thank you to you for <laughs> kind of stepping up to the plate and hopefully it will be fulfilling and a lot of fun, but it's also work. And so I'm just very grateful for you for stepping up to the, to the the to the plate. So, since we are, you know, getting real close to Christmas and, you know, within the past week or so, um, the junior board just did its great uh, pre-Christmas event. Um,
3: yes. Tell our listeners about what that event is about. Yeah, sure. So do you want to talk about the Adopt-A-Family event or do you want to talk about St. Nick's Shopping Day? Because we are Oh, why don't we talk
1: both? about both? Whichever one you <laughs> want to begin first, just begin.
3: Sure. Okay. So I'll start with Adopt-A-Family because we did that first. So adoptive family is a campaign that Catholic Charities runs through the St. Nicholas Project, you know, for many, many years. We support the St. Nicholas Project, which I don't know how familiar your listeners are with it already. Um, oh,
1: I mean, we're, we're really familiar with it, but you know, let's assume our listeners throughout the country, you know, may not be as familiar. I'm sure they have similar things in different parts of the country, but- Give a little sense of what we mean by the St. Nicholas Project here in New York.
3: Yeah, perfect. So the St. Nicholas Project is an initiative run by Catholic Charities where they raise funds throughout the year to help provide warm winter essentials to New Yorkers in need. That's everything from coats, gloves, scarves, socks, warm sweaters. Um, and then they have a couple of different niches where they go out and they should actually shop for those items for the families over the course of the year. That is kind of the pet Uh, initiative of the junior board and we support it in a whole variety of different ways over the course of the year our membership dues go towards it so that's a big component we have a benefit that we do in support of it but specifically what you mentioned you were just referencing is we have two kind of events within the christmas season that we do to support it one is our adopt a family campaign so we kind of work with catholic charities to raise funds to go out and you know have people adopt these families and go out and purchase for them the different supplies that they need one of the things that we've done actually over the, with the junior board over the past couple of years is we have done these shopping parties um, where we actually as a junior board are going out and we're shopping for these families ourselves, which has been uh, really fun, something new that we're doing. We've already participated in shopping day, which I can talk about next, but this was really kind of born out of COVID. Uh, back in 2020, we realized you know we weren't able to do our benefit as we usually do it. We weren't able to kind of get involved in scenic shopping days. We're usually able to. So we held all these virtual shopping parties where we got groups of young adults together and went on to different websites and shopped for the things that we needed and shipped them out to where they needed to be. And then last year, when we were actually able to start doing things in person again, we said, hey, we should keep doing this. Everyone really enjoyed it. It was a really great time. So we've continued fundraising for that. We did our first shopping party last year. We kind of did it like guerrilla style where we just kind of showed up at an old Navy in midtown and said hey we want to buy a whole bunch of stuff can you help us and they were lovely and gracious and we did some really great shopping that day we supported i think uh close to 40 individuals okay so sarah come on
1: what's a gorilla party
3: (laughs) i would say we just kind of showed up and we're like hey we have 30 volunteers that are Mm going to be here or we're going to be shopping throughout the store (laughs) what's that going to look like for you guys and they were very grateful to have us which was wonderful um but definitely maybe we um should have worked with them and kind of like getting a designated cashier and they helped us out. Everything wound up working really fine, but this year we actually pre-planned it with a different old Navy where we had them actually open the store early for us. We came in, we didn't pick a busy midtown location. We went to the Upper East side, which definitely helped as well. Um, but again, we we're able to shop for a whole bunch of families to support it over 40 individuals. We raised over $3,000 and we were able to get, I think it was close to 15 families, all the supplies that they were going to need. It's a really great opportunity for young professionals to kind of come out and do something tactical where you're actually kind of shopping. I love Adopt-A-Family. I love the whole St. Nicholas project. You know, you get the different family profiles. You really feel like you get a sense for the individuals that you're shopping for.
1: So we're speaking with uh, Sarah Trilla, who is the new chair of the Catholic Charities in New York Junior Board. And we're delighted that she stepped up to that leadership position after five or six years as being still very a vibrant member, now stepping up to that leadership position. So, Sarah, let's now go on and let's speak about the um, the shopping day. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. And tell our listeners a little bit how that maybe has morphed, changed over the past few years because of COVID, yeah. changing in marketplace. and availability. Give our listeners just a little bit, and, and I know we know it very familiar, so don't be afraid to add some of the details so that people get a sense of it.
3: Yeah, definitely. So St. Nick Shopping Day has been around for quite some time. Again, it's an initiative that the Catholic Charities- Um, For the Archdiocese of New York throws on an annual basis. We used to have it every year at the Kmart that was downtown which has since closed, but basically we would come in and kind of take over the store there was hundreds of volunteers that would come in and again shop for all of these different families. What was a little bit about different about it from a junior board perspective um, from the adoptive family campaign that I just talked about is that we really kind of served as the volunteer leads for that day. So there's lots of people at Catholic Charities throughout the course of the year who organize the shopping and logistics and everything like that. And then junior board really kind of came in on an annual basis to kind of be points of contact on the floor, helping direct and guide the volunteers and kind of helping in that capacity, which is a ton of fun. It's a wonderful day. His Eminence Cardinal Dolan always comes out and helps us with the shopping, which is a ton of fun. Um, It was just a really lovely event. Again, kind of over the course of COVID, we had to redirect and figure it out. Um, So now what we've actually been doing is the junior board the night before shopping day has been building what we call our our St. Nick boutique in the basement of the parish of our savior. So actually, you know, we're bringing in all the coats, gloves, hats, scarves, and setting up a shop um, in the enclave for the volunteers to come in on Saturday and do the shopping uh, so it's been a really fun and interesting uh, change in the event over the past two years. But again, just as fun, just as impactful, hundreds of volunteers coming in to shop for hundreds of families. Uh, it's always such a lovely day and a great way to kick off the holiday season.
1: So Sarah, um, give our listeners just a little bit of a, of a kind of a behind the scenes um, <laughs> uh, little snapshot. You said, that uh, Cardinal Dolan comes and he does. He says hello to everybody, but he actually shops for he does, a family. and and uh, but I, I know he he doesn't do it completely on his own. He gets a little help. Uh, so speak about speak about that a little bit.
3: Yeah, certainly. So I've actually had the opportunity this year to go around with him and do the shopping with him. So we kind of bring him through the profile, we give him the land of the store, let him know exactly what he needs to shop for, tell him about the family, and we kind of help him pick out the different items. We make sure, you know, everything's there that he's going to need. We have all the right things in stock and, you know, guide him if he has any advice. He would tell you that he doesn't have good taste in clothing, but I think he does. He always picks out really lovely things. He, you know, is very conscious of the colors and, you know, is a kid going to like this? Is a kid going to like that? He thinks he needs a little bit more expert advice, uh, but he does a really great job of picking out the items. It's super fun to shop with him.
1: Uh, No, Sarah, if I I eavesdropped a little bit, maybe (laughs) a couple of years ago, he kind of claims that he's not a real big fan of shopping. Am I correct of
3: that? (laughs) i think he has a fun time on the day maybe not it's always different shopping for yourself and shopping for someone else right you know you're basically going out and you're picking gifts so i think it's a little bit more enjoyable but he always tells you know lots of funny stories about his mom needing to go to the mall or something and his father you know staying behind and dropping off at a coffee shop or something like that so well so i'll share
1: share with our listeners a little bit my own (laughs) experience of, of shopping um so when i was a little kid like Decades before you were even born, Sarah, Um, (laughs) my my mom loved to go to this one store in a part of the Bronx, which had great bargains. Yeah. And she wanted to go there and uh, no choice. I had to go. Um, So there was no option. I had to go. And even now, my attention span isn't a whole lot. So I was a pretty good kid for the first 45 minutes. <laughs> but after that, I was one of those kids who was tugging at my mother's coat saying, we done? Do we have to go? And she, oh, she, she was a shopper. She wasn't you know, ready to go. We didn't go here, here we can get there. So, boy, I worked off time in purgatory as a little <laughs> kid, kind of being dragged to different apartments. And the store was, Tom might know this. Alexander's on Fordham Road in the Bronx it was oh yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> one of those stores there, everybody went great bargains, and that's where I went, so it was whatever, so uh anyway, so um you can I, relate uh, to his
3: eminence,
1: yeah, so you know, I can relate to that, but actually, you know it's interesting, Sarah, now I like to shop, good, I do because you know it's kind of like you walk around, you see things and but I do have to confess that, you know, I, I even before COVID, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I am don't mean to be a, pl- a plug, but, you know, there's nothing you can't buy online. That's and true. so I, you know, I would begin to buy stuff online. And then when COVID came, you just kind of even move more. But I do like going into the store and kind of looking at different different things and and stuff like that. So anyway, so Sarah, let me go, uh, let me go a little bit further uh, asking you So give our listeners a little bit of a background about the junior board. And, and, you know, I, I, let me, let me think, uh, you know, for professionally, you do a fair amount in marketing and some of those types of things. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to talk about it in a way, two ways. One yeah. that if there is a young adult out there, a young professional who you know is listening, and why should they maybe become part of the junior board, or maybe why in their own communities, their own neighborhoods, there might be a junior board or the equivalent in their own diocese, their own parish, or something like that. So that's one audience, but the other yeah. audience is if there is. Kind of other organizations who say, well, they only have old people on the board and they only <laughs> get old people involved, why should they think about um, you know developing a junior board to support their mission so talk to our listeners a little bit about that
3: yeah, I love both of those questions, so I think the first one you know why would you want to get involved with the junior board? what's the kind of benefit there are So many, I'm probably not even going to be able to list them all off, but just to start with a couple, I think one, it's really great to get involved in community and whether that community is a small town or it's a city as big as New York, there's going to be need within that community. And a group like Catholic Charities is addressing that need across a variety of different health and human services um, needs kind of across the board, just having that kind of awareness of it and really kind of understanding what's going out there. And you might think you get a sense of it. I mean, especially in a city like New York on like a day-to-day basis, I think we are it's very obvious that there's kind of need within our community, but to really kind of get involved with it, hear from experts, hear from people who on a day-to-day basis are dealing um, with the different various issues across the city and how they're working to resolve it. A super fascinating, but B also very heartwarming to know that there are people who are like actively putting all of the blood, sweat, and tears behind trying to address these and make their communities better. So just having that kind of awareness and volunteering, ton of fun. I know a lot of people, you know, in College, high school, volunteering Mm -hmm. is very much more of a thing, but sometimes kind of post-college, it's easy to kind of fall away from like what we could call extracurricular activities. But again, keeping involved in your community, volunteering, getting out there, A, really great opportunity to see kind of what's going on. B, I think, you know, we're called, especially as Catholics, to be involved in our community and reach out to our brothers and sisters in Christ and support them. And C, you know, you're going to meet a lot of great people through it as well. The junior board that we have, Catholic Charities, we have over 30 members, People from all across the city, grew up in all different kinds of places, work in all different kinds of fields, but all kind of have this common goal of coming together and working together to support the St. Nicholas Project and Catholic Charities uh, more broadly. I've made wonderful friends through it. I've had great opportunities through it. Um, So I think that's all really wonderful as well. And then the last thing is just kind of, and you spoke about this a little bit, uh, Monsignor, is kind of leadership and career growth development opportunities. Had a lot of opportunities earlier in my career to be in some sort of leadership position where obviously, you know, wasn't at the point of my career where I was going to do that just yet. Um, but to kind of lead a subcommittee to work on something and also kind of expand my horizons in terms of skill sets. When I had started on the junior board, I was in kind of like more a consulting operational function, had never really done anything with marketing or with events. And as I spoke to earlier, got involved on the junior board with both of those things, both doing the benefit committee and working on some marketing stuff for the executive committee. And very funnily now, my job is Marketing and events—that's what I do. I lead that for a um, for my organization for a portfolio that I manage. So, really good opportunity to kind of learn new things. Didn't think it was going to come from the junior board, but has been really kind of fortuitous in both my personal and my professional life as well.
1: So, let me—you mentioned uh, you mentioned something which I think is really important for our listeners to realize and to be aware of—is um, you mentioned that. The Junior Board of Catholic Charities is religiously affiliated, but the volunteer opportunities that we have and mm-hmm. the St. Nicholas Project, the work not is not only helping Catholics, is it?
3: No, certainly not. We help people from all walks of life. You know, I think the thing I've heard either you or Phil say before is, you know, we don't help We help people because we're Catholic, not because they are. We make sure we're touching everyone kind of across the city of New York, anyone who has a need. Um, So there's certainly, you know, obviously a religious affiliation. It's in the very much the name, but we're not pinpointed to any specific group or anything like that.
1: All right. Um, So um, I think you were just about to speak to the second question about why groups should seek to engage a newer generation. So uh, you want to say a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I've seen a lot of benefits. We work with a lot of other junior boards too, as well, both those outside of the Catholic Charities Federation and within there are some small uh, agencies kind of across Catholic, Char- Catholic charities who have their own junior boards as well. And I think just getting that understanding of, you know, what 20 to 40 year olds roughly are looking at and are interested in and doing people who also maybe have a little bit more time to do volunteering and some more hands on contribution uh, to these different agencies, as opposed to, you know, at a a typical board level, um, maybe, you know, on a week to week basis, they're not able to volunteer, they're not able to do a a soup kitchen, whatever it may be, can be super beneficial, just kind of expanding your community, but also just keeping a pulse on, you know, what is interesting. I'm going to say quote, unquote, young people today, how are they interacting? What are they understanding? What are the causes that they like to support and how you can kind of build that pipeline for your board over the course of many years. So you have people who have been familiar with and involved with the board over the course of maybe their entire careers, as opposed to getting involved at a later point in life, really just kind of building those relationships from the onset.
1: So Sarah, since you just became chair of the board, um, (laughs) what's your vision? What would you like to see areas of maybe growth or things where there could be enhancements or expansions what, where, where do you see the junior board going in the next year or two?
3: Yeah, it's an amazing question. It's a big question. I think there's a couple of different things. One, I think we really want to now kind of coming a little bit more out of um, what's been a, certainly an interesting two and a half years for everyone going on three years, but coming out of COVID, what are the different events and volunteer opportunities that we can really kind of expand into, A, to increase awareness, but B, to really give our members a greater perspective of what Catholic Charities is doing and the impact that it's having across the city. More touch points with agencies learning about what they do and how we can kind of support them and where people's interests may lie. And then really kind of amping up and building out some of the events that we do on an annual basis. Like I said, we do an annual benefit called Christmas in July, which is held every year in July um, to support the St. Nicholas project. Super fun. We do it at a lovely rooftop bar. It's super festive in the middle of the summer um, really kind of expanding that and getting the word out to as many people as possible about the cause and making sure we're contributing as a junior board kind of more impactfully financially in that kind of capacity, additional leadership responsibilities as we kind of grow as a junior board and get more members, anyone who wants a leader position or has a really strong opinion on something that they could take on or you know, an initiative they kind of want to push out, I want to make sure we're giving them the opportunity to do that and to get involved. Um, and I think just closer ties with the cafe charities big board, as we like to call them, kind of overall across the board. Uh, We've had some opportunity to be involved with them in the past years, but they do a lot of really interesting um, work over the course of the year. And I think our members, you know, as they kind of look down the line, are really interested in learning what does it look like to be on a board of a big uh, nonprofit? What is, you know, their week to week, their month to month, what does that look like? And just giving them kind of a better perspective of like, okay, this is something, you know, Throughout the course of my my career and throughout the course of my lifetime, I'd really like to be involved in. What is it? What does it look like? And how do I kind of navigate that so I can get involved in from an early age?
1: Great. Sarah, thank you so much. But before I let you go, um, you done your Christmas shopping yet?
3: Ish, nearly there. Not a hundred percent, but uh, almost yep. there.
1: We only got another week or so to go.
3: Precisely. Um,
1: yeah. So and what are you doing for Christmas? Do you have any? plans to travel? you Are going to be with family? What's your plan?
3: Yeah, heading down to Florida to hang out with my family, which will be great. It's pretty dreary in New York today, so I'm really looking forward to kind of getting out there into some warmer weather.
1: So is it a? I I always think it should be a rule when people from the northeast go down to Florida or other places <laughs> for Christmas that you got to pack some snow. Then, <laughs>
3: Take it oh, we don't it. have
1: any snow yet this year. I'm, I'm I'm one of those people who likes snow. I think it's great, but we haven't had too much.
3: I know. I do like a wet Christmas, but we haven't had one any snow at all yet this we year. Haven't. So maybe you guys will get some next week. That'd be lovely.
1: So anyway, Sarah Sarah Triller, the new chair of the Catholic Charities Junior Board, who spoke to us about <clears throat> the projects that the Junior Board has been engaged in for Christmas and <clears throat> projects that help so many in need in our community. And a word of gratitude to Sarah for Taking the time to be with us on Just Love, but also, more importantly, for her leadership and those of her kind of colleagues in supporting the mission of Catholic Charities to provide help and create hope for some pretty needy people. So, Sarah Triller, thank you for being with us and a very blessed and Merry Christmas to you and to your family.
3: Thanks so much. Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas.
1: Thank you. Um, Tom, uh, let's take a break. This is just love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. We'll be back on the Catholic channel, Sirius XM 129.
0: Now, let's get back to Just Love and your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan.
1: back to just love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. You know, we do think about the global issues that impact our world. And I know, Tom, for me, this Advent, <clears throat> I have very much um, kind of been reflecting on the theme of hope and its counterpart, despair and also the theme of light and darkness. And mm-hmm. to some extent, I think they kind of are parallel concepts, they they get at different things. But obviously, hope and light are on the good side of the ledger, and despair and darkness are on the bad side of the ledger. And it, it seems to me that, <clears throat> you know, when we think about Advent as being the season of hope, what we're looking forward to and Jesus the light of the world coming into the world. Unfortunately, there's just so much darkness in our world, so much despair that the season of advent hope and preparing for the light of the world to cel- to celebrate his coming in history seems to me to be such a very very important reality. Now the challenge that I sometimes find with this is we have to do it in a way that is not with rose-colored glasses Mm -hmm. where we say oh the hope jesus is the hope of the world yeah he jesus is and he is the light of the world but it is in the midst of a world in which there is a lot of darkness and a lot of Mm -hmm. despair so we have to be a little bit uh careful in how we kind of look at that that stuff so anyway so that's a little bit of my thought for um you know for advent kind of as we're getting very, very close to uh to Christmas.
2: Uh do you like the season of Advent, Tom? I do. I find Advent to be, you know, really uh you know, for me, it's a very important time to prepare yourself, like you said, Monsieur, for the coming of the light of the world. You know, I I I think there has to be a little preparation because commercially Christmas is just thrust upon you so early that Advent really gives you, as you were saying Monsieur, the opportunity to reflect. And I do like how a lot of the readings, a lot of the scriptures do that juxtaposition of light and darkness. Because I think you're right. I think the world has a lot of great things in it, but it's also got a lot of despair and dark things in it too. And I think the scriptures in Advent kind of remind us of that. And I, I like that. That That's important to me, spiritually Well, <clears throat>
1: one of those areas where it is tremendously evident is the area that we have so many individuals and families who do not have adequate housing. Yes, in New York, but throughout the country and throughout the world. So one of those areas of hope is that people have decent housing. One of the areas of despair is that far too many individuals and families do not. So I am very, very pleased that our next guest, is Josiah Haken, who is the Chief Executive Officer of City Relief. And we're going to speak about the fact that there is a lot of outreach going on, interaction with people who do not have homes. And so I want to thank Josiah for joining us. Josiah, thank you so much for being with us on Just Love.
0: It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, Give our listeners a little bit of a sense of yourself and of the organization City Relief. So the show's yours. Give us a little bit of <laughs> your own history and where we are with City Relief.
0: Sure. So I'm a, I, I was a missionary kid. I was born and raised in Yaoundé, Cameroon, um, and then moved to Hershey, Pennsylvania when I went into high school. Um, then found my way out to New Jersey to help a, a church plant out out here and um, quickly fell in love with people who are uh, you know often overlooked and, and, and dismissed in the homeless community. Uh, started volunteering my time and, and just trying to give back and I found out that some of these people that are experiencing homelessness are the most interesting, fascinating, brilliant creative people you will ever meet. Um, and so I just instantly fell in love and I, I found an opportunity to, volunteer as an outreach leader with an organization, uh, City Relief, that um, takes a mobile uh, bus or van or some kind of vehicle into the streets directly to where people are, where there's a large contingent of people experiencing homelessness, and we create a pop-up uh, event for the folks uh, where they can receive a hot meal and, and, and hot drink and the cold in the wintertime, something cold to drink in the summertime, and new socks and toiletries. Uh, that we leverage to then build relationship with people who are in crisis and then um, point those folks to uh, services and resources throughout the city and throughout New Jersey where we can hopefully get them off the street altogether. So our goal as an organization is to meet people where they are, but then connect them to where they want to go. Um, so I started doing that as an outreach leader in two thousand and ten. And you know how it is sometimes in nonprofit world. You stick around long enough, you put you in charge. And so uh, as of February of this year, I was appointed by the board of directors to be the the CEO of the organization, and I'm very, very proud to represent um, such a compassionate group. So it's my honor.
1: hey, Josiah, thank you for taking uh, taking on the mantle of leadership because, It does require a little bit of responsibility or even a lot of responsibility. And it's, you know, it's not all fun and games. And maybe most of it isn't fun and games. But thank God that there are people like you who who are doing this. So thanks so much for doing it.
0: Oh, it's like I said. I tell people, and I mean it every time. Uh, there's no place in the world I'd rather be. Um, I I, th- I can't believe I get to do this job every day. And so, like you said, it's the leadership aspect is difficult. Anytime you lead people, I found that you know people are people no matter where you go. And so, leadership always involves. You know, it'd be it'd be so easy if there weren't any people around to lead.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I don't want to get overly <laughs> philosophical, but I mean, um, that's kind of like. The simplified version of Jean Paul Sartre saying "hell is other people." I mean, <laughs> he, uh, he he was a significantly pessimistic about that, but uh, but I hear what you what you uh, you know what you are saying, and it is uh, uh, you know it is a it, it is a challenge. But you know, on, on that version, I think sometimes the vocabulary that we use, you know. I don't want to imply bad intention, but sometimes the vocabulary used may not be the 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 most helpful. Like when we talk about the homeless, you know, you know, there are individuals who don't have homes, Correct. you know, and they're individuals. But what you said, I think, and is and you have had such firsthand experience, um, you know, interacting, talking with, being with so a number of people who don't have homes. And. First of all, they're people. And again, in the context of talking about this, you know, they're not perfect by any means. They have problems and whatever, you know, just as like if you interact with the head of a big corporation, they're not perfect. They have problems, but they have good points. Homeless people have tremendous strengths, but they have a lot of obvious. Problems at the, you know, at the same time they're human beings like all of us, and you know some of our problems are a little bit less evident to the whole world than some of the other people. Well,
0: well, well that's just it. I mean, most of us get to hide our problems behind our doors, right? We get to mm-hmm. we get to close the doors of our houses and our apartments, and and we can you know drink ourselves into oblivion, or we can you know treat our, our spouses and kids badly, and, and and no one says other, no one says boo, but if but if you don't have a place to, 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 to hide, if you have no place to, to you know, escape to, uh, your, your issues and your challenges are, are on display for the world to see. And um, I also would, would argue that sometimes I think we forget that homeless people are people. We, we, the, and like you said, the language we use betrays us uh, because we refer to people who are experiencing homelessness as, um, as a problem to be solved uh rather than a human being to be loved um and i think that th- that grace that we that we often expect for ourselves uh we are not often willing to offer to people who don't have the luxury of 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 a house or uh, a gainful employment that pays a living wage and and so yeah i do think that the language we use and the way we talk about homelessness is very important
1: yeah i think and i would say to just paraphrase a little bit what you've said is the homeless are not a problem? The lack of housing is a problem, you know, and that's it's it's a difference. It's a difference, and I think, but I think it's an important important difference. Now, you've been at this for a while, for a decade or or so. Um, what's your sense? Give our listeners a sense. What is there things that are different today? than there were a decade ago, because, you know, we can talk about numbers and yes, there may be an increase, but I mean, I mean, I've been around at least New York for a while, you know, to me, I don't worry about, you know, Oh, the number of those who they counted on the street is 5% more. That doesn't mean much to me. There are still too many of our sisters and brothers who don't have a decent place to live, whether it's a thousand more, a thousand less, there are still thousands, and and that's not good. But but asking, so I'm not primarily asking you the question of numbers. Sure. Asking a view of, you know, the situation of our sisters and brothers who don't have housing, the whole situation
0: different now than ten years ago. Uh, I would say yes, um, okay. and and I would and I would say yes on a variety of, uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, You know, for one, I I think all of us as a society are are different now, Um, not just the homeless, but I think all of us. Uh, I think the pandemic revealed things about ourselves that um, uh, we're all still trying to reconcile with. I mean, I think mental health collectively as a society, I I think we're, we're still trying to figure out. Uh, what the implications are of, of the last couple of years. And so I, I would say that what I've observed in the street is a higher level of desperation um, in that people who may have been bad off or worse off uh, a long time ago, 10 years ago, are, are not doing as well as they were even then. So for example, if someone's panhandling, you know, 30, 40 bucks a day uh, to, to be able to buy McDonald's and, and be able to get a Metro card. Um, they're the, the, they're not getting the benefit of the doubt from panic, from people walking the streets anymore. There, there's a, there's a collective sort of hostility and and distrust that I think is pervading pervading a lot of uh, our interactions, which is leading to tension and leading to to again sort of this sort of us versus them mentalities that are is impacting interactions with the homeless community. Um, so I would say, based on my observations, that, that the situation is a little more. Um, tense a little more urgent uh, because when people are in the street they're actually worse off even than people who were in the street even even five years ago and I just anecdotally I've seen people recently over the last couple of weeks in the streets who we helped get off the streets
3: yeah.
0: uh, five years ago and now they've fallen back um, yeah. and so we're seeing and I and I just can't I can't express just how Demoralizing that must yep. be to have clawed your way out of homelessness only to fall back into it, um, and the impact that has on your own well-being and your interactions. Right. It, it's it's definitely different. Things have definitely changed.
1: You know, we're speaking with um, we're speaking with the executive director of City Relief, Josiah Hecken, and uh, we're speaking about their uh, experience of dealing with individuals who don't have housing and spend a lot of their lives on the, on the street. Um, so, you know, let me say a couple of things about that to, to react a little bit. Um, I, I, I agree with, uh, you know, uh, what you've said resonates with me. And I think part of the challenge where it kind of goes hand in hand is people are feeling less safe. Now, there's been, and I I actually last night, I had a conversation with somebody who doesn't live in New York City, a a very solid person who participates in one of our Catholic Charities boards, lives in one of the suburbs. And we're talking about the subways. And he said, oh, I don't ride them. No, I know. He said, no, the subways are really crazy unsafe. He said, and I said to him, I was Maybe it wasn't as nice as I should have been. I said, do you ride them? Oh, no, I wouldn't ride them. I said, well, I do. I said, not a lot, but I ride them. And, you know, they're not as the media would have. Now, I don't want to say there's, there's not fear. And I do note that people stay closer to the middle of the platform. So I don't want to pretend nothing's going on. But it's not like, quote, unquote, the Wild West. It, so you got to be a little bit more careful. But I do think that perception and there is an increase in crime. I mean, so there is that. And I think, again, we don't want to stereotype, but I also think we have to recognize that some of our sisters and brothers who are on the street do have some real emotional challenges, which for some of them do act out in a dangerous way. So. But I think what is happening because of what's going on, we almost are attributing what's the reality with a few people, which is real, to almost everybody, and therefore. But that's a little bit of my perception, Josiah.
0: I I think you're spot on. I mean, because and I try to I try to help people think about it this way, right? Like I went to a if you go to a sporting event, for example, you know, you go to a Knicks game or whatever, and and a fight breaks out, right, with people who are paying. $50 to $500 a ticket.
2: um,
0: You know, you don't, you don't walk away with the conclusion that all basketball fans are dangerous. Um, You know, you just got a couple of nut jobs who got too drunk and acted stupid. Um, Whereas in the streets of New York, if you have a homeless person who's dealing with severe, you know, mental illness or they're, 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 they're triggered by some exchange they had with somebody and they act violently or stupidly. Now all of a sudden you have this re- disproportionate response to say all homeless people are dangerous. Oh we yeah. gotta get them off the subway. But in reality, no. You just you just had this one. You had a couple guys who are just having a bad day who act stupid. And right. um, and I think that there's value. I think what you just pointed out is very real. I think there is a we have we are so quick to stigmatize right. uh, people who are different that I think there's a narrative even in our society that says that homeless people they they don't our box. They don't participate in the societal norms that we would expect. And so we, we, we demonize them as a group, rather than recognizing the humanity and the struggle of each individual person. So I, yeah. I think you're spot on.
1: Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit of a, of a kind of a couple of hopeful anecdotes. and um, uh, And I share them with our listeners and with you, Because it's part of the narrative. It's not the whole story. But the church that I'm in is right in front of Grand Central Station. Um, And we have, as I say, our two homeless guys. We have Timmy and we have Robert. Okay. And um, I've gotten to know them a little bit. And uh, uh, they're very, very different. Timmy is the mildest, most demure person. You know, obviously has some issues in terms of, um, uh, he's got some emotional issues with him, but a very quiet, demure guy. And he comes into church and he sits there, he sits on the outside and um, he's, you know, he's kind of mild-mannered guy. Robert, on the other hand, is very outrageous okay, that's the nicest word to say in the middle of winter he won't have a shirt on sometimes he doesn't have um even shoes on he he real and he 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 you can tell by the way he walks around he's very very uh child he walks into church up and down um not violent, but if you didn't know it you would suspect he could be violent. And who knows, one day he may be. But, but but, I'll tell you a little story about Robert. Robert, we have a morning mass every day. And inevitably, the timing is such that he comes in at time for communion. And he gets at the end of the line and comes to communion almost every day. I don't know how he figures out the timing, but he's there every single day. Day. And it's it's very interesting. But I'll tell you, I'm gonna tell you two parts to it. At least our congregation, they haven't gotten to the point yet of compassion fatigue with them. I I just see people coming out of church all the time, and they don't even have to panhandle because someone will go over to Timmy and they'll say, Here, Timmy, here's a buck, or here, you know, it's it's almost like they're part of our, our community. Now I have my own goal. Timmy, I think is taken care of. Robert needs some assistance, but you got to build up trust. And so, you know, so my goal with Robert is we try to get him, you know, and he, you've heard this story four million a million times. I'm not going to one of those big shelters because I don't feel I'm safer in 20 degree weather out on the street. Well, you're not. But but that's where the you know, so it's going to take a little while. But let me tell you an incredible story about Robert. Very simple. And to to your point, that we got to see people as people, what their status is. So one day, Robert is out in front and I see him walking into the church. And I'm not sure he even a shirt on that day, maybe, you know, but I saw in his hand he probably had three or four crinkled $1 bills that people probably had given him. And I see him walking into the church with these crinkled bills and I see him go over to the poor box and he puts those dollar bills into the poor box. I don't know what was going on in his head, but somehow he understood that he had a responsibility to help somebody else. I can't put it all together, but that's a real, and I, this is not somebody told me this. I saw this with my own eyes. So, and you probably have hundreds of those stories.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had a I, one specific story. I had a guy who I, I was just talking about my life and that happened to, my wife was in a car accident uh, earlier so we needed a new car and so I was just telling this guy kind of complaining about the fact that I was got to go out and buy a new car and this homeless gentleman pulls out his pulls out wads uh, you know wad of cash and gives me a 5 and says here put this towards your new car. I mean just the most generous people I've also seen people they like collect food and they're like I'm going to take this I have a, a friend who's unable to walk. And so I'm, I'm collecting the food, and I'm going to take it back to him. And I actually met, I I walked, i let me help you carry it. I walked over and met the guy. So yeah, for all of this idea that these folks are like hustling or taking only taking for themselves, I I have found that to be the exact opposite. I I have found homeless folks to be some of the most generous uh, people that I and, and again, it's that it's that faith Like, you know, aren't they rich? They have a richness of faith that many of us don't ever, uh, will never experience, you know, in some ways.
1: Hey, so Josiah, you've been so generous with your time. Josiah Haken, the Chief Executive Officer of City Relief. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope maybe you'll come back sometime to, we can continue our conversation.
0: I would love that. Anytime. Thanks for having me.
1: Josiah, thank you so much. Tom, we'll take a break. Just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself, and our world will be more just and more compassionate. We'll be back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.
0: Just do it. Just love. Just check out Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, who's here right now. Take it away, Monsignor.
1: Back to just love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. Is there a better time to ramp up our doing of that love than at the end of Advent as we morph into the celebration of Christmas? Jesus is about peace, he's about healing, he's about hope, he's about love. And so we need to ramp up our loving of one another, our loving of God, and our loving of self. So as we get to Christmas season, blessed Christmas to you. May you and your families be blessed with the love, the healing, the hope, the peace of Jesus. Thank you for being with us on Just Love. The Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.
0: You're listening to The Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.